Welcome to Rise Up in Business, the law podcast for small business owners. I'm your host, Tracy Mylacrane. I'm a business lawyer, an entrepreneur, and very much a realist. Rise Up in Business is designed to share with small business owners important legal information and some clever tips and tricks in short and sharp episodes, no legal jargon. With this podcast, I want to empower small business owners to rise up and take control in their business. I'll be here every Wednesday to tell you what you need to know without sending you to sleep. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Rise Up in Business podcast. So far in this podcast, I've talked a lot about building solid foundations for a business, what you need and why you need them, and how to implement the things that you need to set yourself up for a really good start. In this episode, I want to talk about a topic which is very important when we get to the point where we're wanting to build our team, and that is the difference between employees and contractors, and why it's important to know the difference. At first blush, this can seem like a very basic and insignificant issue, but trust me, it's the opposite. There are subtle differences between an employee in your business and a contractor to your business, and it's really important that you know what those differences are, and it's important that you understand why it is you need to know them. So I'd like to start simply by saying, if you call something something, that doesn't make it so. So for example, if you call a chicken a duck, it doesn't make it a duck. The fact is, it's still a chicken. Same goes here. If you call someone in your business an employee, they may not be. That can sound a little odd to some, and I I find that people often scratch their head and say, well, I don't understand, how can that be? And that's what I'm going to talk about here. Why do we need to know the difference? Why do we need to get it right? Simple. For tax purposes, for superannuation purposes, insurance purposes, both workers' compensation and professional indemnity, and to avoid penalties down the track, which can be imposed by fair work inspectors, and there's legislation that deals with penalties that can be imposed if people get it wrong, particularly if you do it deliberately. Let's start. So you want to grow your team and you're looking at bringing somebody in, and you've made a decision. Commercially, you've looked at the work and you've thought, right, It makes more sense for me to bring somebody in as an employee and pay them a salary, withhold their tax and pay their superannuation. If that's the case, I need to obviously have them covered under my workers' compensation insurance and depending on the nature of your business, potentially your professional indemnity insurance. Or you've decided that your business structure lends itself better and the nature of your work lends itself better to a contractor where you basically outsource your work to an independent contractor who's running their own business and who is set up to do so. They've got their own ABN, their own insurance, they're free to do work for others. So you decide that you'd like to contract that work because it makes more sense for you. Fine. Obviously, once you make that decision, you will record that agreement in writing, whether it's your employment contract for your employee or your independent contractor agreement for your contractor. And you'll outline in that agreement what it is that that person's going to do for your business and how it is you're going to pay them. That's all a great start. But if something goes wrong, there's potential for you to be in the gun in terms of liability and responsibility if the relationship isn't actually what you thought it was. So if you're engaging an employee in your business and you enter into an employment contract with them, that means you're paying them as an individual. So 
you pay them weekly, fortnightly, monthly, you withhold the tax and you report your superannuation payments accordingly. They don't have their own ABN, they're not running their own business. You have a degree of control over what it is that they do during their hours of work and how it is that they do the work so you can give regular and frequent direction as you see fit. Your employee bears no risk whatsoever in relation to the work that they're doing because that's with you as the employer. You provide their equipment, whether it's computer equipment, tools, whatever else they need to do the work, that's provided by you and they have a constant flow of work from you so it's not project-based or specific job-based. They come to work each day or each second day or whatever else that's been agreed and they perform work for you as directed by you on an ongoing basis. These individuals can be employed by you either full-time, part-time or casual and all of that's recorded in their employment contract. Great. If, on the other hand, you've decided to engage an independent contractor, then they do work for you in hours that suits them provided they get you the outcome. So, for example... You might engage a bookkeeper as a contractor and provided they get your bookkeeping done by the end of each week or the end of each month or the end of each quarter and they report to you, it doesn't matter to you whether they're doing it between 9 and 5 or Monday to Friday or the weekends or after hours, it makes no difference because you're paying them based on the outcome. They have their own ABN, they have their own insurance, they're able to act for several clients at once, there's no restrictions and the risk in relation to the work rests with them. So that means their insurance will cover them if they're negligent, for example. They provide their own computer software, computer hardware. They provide all of the things that they need to be able to do their job for you. And, of course, they're not entitled to leave, sick leave and things like that. It's wholly irrelevant in an independent contractor arrangement. That all sounds fine. And you're probably thinking, Tracy, this is all really straightforward and it all makes sense. Why is this an issue? Well, it becomes an issue when... A situation arises where a business says, okay, I'm going to employ an independent contractor because it's easier for me because then I don't have to worry about tax and I don't have to pay workers' comp on them and I don't have to worry about remitting their superannuation. They've got an ABN, they're doing it themselves, therefore they're a contractor. So they'll work for me nine to five, Monday to Friday, ongoing, and they're just going to issue me an invoice and I'm going to pay them their invoice at the end of that period. In relation to the work, they do it as I like, as directed by me. It's my clients, for example. I want them to do the work in this way between these hours. It leaves very little scope for the contractor to actually do work for anybody else, to have any say over how and when they're doing the work. The expectations are all set by you on a regular basis and you have a direct control over the hours of their day and how they're spending their time. Unfortunately... Despite the fact that you have called it an independent contractor and you may have even signed an independent contractor agreement, the reality is that has the hallmarks of an employee. That scenario that I described is an employee-employer scenario. So why does that become a problem if everybody's happy? Well, that's fine. But if something happens and the person gets injured and they don't have their own workers' compensation insurance, for example, and they want to make a claim on yours, they would be able to establish to a court that, in fact, they were an employee. Similarly, if something goes sour and the person moves on for whatever reason, they might formulate a position where they come back and make a claim against you for unpaid entitlements, for example. It's happened 
a lot. It's not uncommon, sadly, for, for these things to happen. You don't actually need a malicious intent. You don't need intent here to be doing the wrong thing. The intention is largely irrelevant to the test. The reality is the courts will look at it on a case-by-case basis. They look at the individual arrangement and they'll make a determination based on how the parties are conducting themselves and the nature of the work and how it's being carried out as to whether or not that person was actually an employee or truly an independent contractor. There are, of course, additional penalties if people are deliberately seeking to do the wrong thing. There's legislation that can deal with that and there's processes that Fair Work inspectors can go through to impose those penalties. But I won't talk about that in any more detail. My point is, if you're looking to grow your team, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Make a decision as to what's going to suit your business and the nature of your work as to whether you need to bring in to your team an employee on a full-time, part-time or casual basis or whether you need to bring in an independent contractor. And then make sure that you understand precisely what the roles of a contractor and an employee are, the differences that we've just touched on, and then make sure you enter into the correct arrangement and the correct document for that arrangement with that individual. So if you have a genuine employer-employee relationship, fantastic, enter into your employment contract and you're good to go. If, on the other hand, it is a genuine independent contractor arrangement, great, good for you. Make sure you have your independent contractor agreement signed. Make sure everything's clearly set out and then, in good faith, Hopefully, it all goes well. So I've done my best there to go through, step through in a very simple way, the differences between contractors and employees and why it's important, and just touch on why it's important for you as an employer to really understand these, because the obligation is on you as the employer to get this right. If that's caused confusion or if you've got more questions arising from that little discussion, feel free to reach out. That's what I'm here for. It really is best to get this right from the start. And again, as I say all the time, prevention's better than cure. So you're better off spending a little bit of time now getting it right, understanding it, than getting burnt down the track if something goes wrong and you realise that unwittingly you actually ended up in the wrong framework. So hope that's been helpful. I'll catch you next time. That's it for today's episode, short and sharp, just like I promised. If you liked the episode, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes, and I would be most grateful if you would leave a review on Apple Podcast. As always, remember to keep your business legals in order with my Business Legal Strength Check. Grab your free copy by heading over to my website, tmsolicitor.com.au. I'll catch you next Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening.